at goes three. At three. Okay. Alright, man, I don't know, you could do this different every we week. Need, we need music, like intro music. Oh yeah. Like a we have our BRS music. We should try to find a way to implement that. Like Metallica. <laughs> no, I'm yeah. okay. Thunder. Copyrights on What's going right. on, guys? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Alright, so we got a few people that are waiting to come in. Uh, we might as well just give some stuff away, dude. We're just gonna roll right into it and then we'll roll into today's topic. Which, uh, I mean, I know you had 30 minutes of heaters last week, so, like, why not an hour more? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you I mean, not just heaters, but temperature. For those who actually man. watched the whole thing, <laughs> I did, and it's pretty interesting. All right, man, so those you don't know, and you're watching, we just give away stuff at the beginning here just while we roll in. So uh, we give away orders. We give away, uh, you know, your whatever's in your cart, man. Uh, all you got to do is be a preferred reaver. So click the link on the bottom of every web page and join mm -hmm. us. Uh, Richard Miles here, Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. And got 64 bucks back onto his account for a six-foot uh, do-it-yourself screen top kit for uh, rim tanks. So nice. bravo, man, that was free. Or uh, actually, the next thing you buy is free. Uh, <laughs> Jeremy Martin here, man, he's got 71 bucks and 98 cents going back to his account uh, from Rittman, Ohio. A six-stage replacement filter kit from Bulky Supply and uh, one and a half pounds of citric acid. Right now, oh yeah, that's having that stuff around is nice. And, uh, oh, okay, 50 bucks. Uh, this is a cart. So, oh, cool, man. The, the uh, calcium reactor stuff. All right, so this gentleman is John Me from where? Down here. Uh, San Jose, uh, California. Is getting 8.8 .8 pounds of reborn calcium reactor media, revived uh, coral cleaner, and a short blade uh, plastic uh, clip for uh, an aquarium. So, Awesome, man. Awesome. All three of these people getting their stuff for free. So, yeah. All right. Right after we I bet you everybody's uh, logged in now, man. So we're going to uh, – you can do that later. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, temperature and stuff, but mostly we're going to answer questions, you know. So, I mean, we talked about this stuff for a half hour Friday, <laughs> but uh, I'm sure there's all kinds of more questions to answer. And there's even some stuff in there, man, I just couldn't fit in, you yeah. know. So I do my best to try to get it all in there. But – you know, some of it gets a little drawn out, maybe a little better for this kind of format mm -hmm. than uh, any other. So, uh, I don't know, man. You had written some notes here. Do we have a question yeah, already? I got some. All right, uh, man. That thing's tiny this will today. A 200, will a 200-watt <clears throat> heater use the same amount of power as a 300-watt heater to heat the same amount of water? Oh, there's more. To heat the same amount of water up, shown in Apex Fusion, is this the best? Is it best to, uh, to buy I mean, a smaller just, or larger heater? It's just me heater? or today is the, the font smaller. Oh, I, I don't know, because I think uh, my eyes are getting... Hmm? Oh, you just had a birthday, though, didn't you? Uh, maybe it is. I just had a birthday, man. Uh, it's just me. I don't know. I can barely read. Age. All right. <laughs> uh, maybe it's farther away or something. I don't know. Oh. Uh, all right. Anyway, so 200 watt, 300. That's a good question, man, because, you know, in theory, it just wouldn't be on as often. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so if, if I... Unless a, a larger body of water, 200 watt would just be on all the time. So if yeah. I had a, you know... 50-gallon tank, right, right, and I put a 200-watt heater in there or a 300-watt heater... I think the net amount of power consumption would probably be, uh, I mean, it's pretty similar. I mean, there may be some nitpicky stuff in there, like uh, mm -hmm. how it powers up and down or operating wattage of the whole thing. But yeah. I, I think in general, it'd just be on a third less time using a third more power and it'd be about the same. Because it's heating it faster. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it takes less time for the 300 watt to heat the same that the 200 watt does, and then in theory it runs less time. Yep. But if you watched our video the other day, uh, you would say overpowering a heater is probably a bad idea. Uh, Just in case. Yeah, because yeah. if it gets stuck on, man, it's going to cook your tank in about 30% faster. Soup. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, like, overpowering heaters is generally a bad idea. Uh, and, uh, you know, especially, hmm. two, I mean, you always got to overheat it, power it a little bit if you're only going to have one, especially uh, because it's going to change temperature, you know, in the ambient room or fans or you know whatever is going to yeah. change a little bit so it's got to be a little bit more capable if you only got one but if you're going to go do that a little bit and then plus another 30 percent you're starting to get bad news you know, i've always <clears> wondered <throat> like what the uh wattage per gallon recommendation was and i did I, I researched before we got in here and it seems like generally it's about two and a half to five watts per gallon or something but mm. i wonder if like like here in minnesota i don't know if that holds true uh, depending well, you know, on your ambient temperature? It's going to be a relationship to the ambient temperature in yeah. the room as well as evaporation, you know, and stuff like that. So okay. uh, I guess, yeah, like in my office, it's freezing. Yeah. So the stupid thermostat in my office sucks. Uh, it shares it with, like, the conference room. So to have a normal temperature with mm. glass in my room, in my office, it's got to be, like, 82 inside the conference room, and then everybody yells at me. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. So in my office, man, you probably have to have, uh, you know, uh, way more temp Couple, because it's probably yeah. 65 degrees, man. <laughs> like, fingertips go numb writing these scripts. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, That's I don't cool. know. All right, what else we got here? Uh, <clears throat> Andrew Jones just bought the high-door heater yesterday. Hope you all <laughs> don't change your mind and make him return it. I got to say, I never used a high-door uh, heater, but... Uh, I don't have an example here. Yeah, I don't know. I've never used one, but I, I know at one point it was like one of the only UL certified ones or CE uh, out there. I think uh, Eheim is UL now too, but I mean, that's a pretty hard thing to get for yeah, UL here with mm -hmm. Eheim. Uh, I, I don't think the Cobalt one is, man. Uh, yeah, I don't see. I don't, that's not like I know for certain the Phoenix ones aren't. So, yeah, so. The thing about it is that if you if you go look at the reviews on these things, they speak. You the, know, like wah, 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 yeah. Well, on, yeah, on yeah. those ones specifically. Yeah, this one specifically. Oh, okay. That's so good. But like honestly, all of them. So those I are guess the ones with the pink dial on the top, the red dial, the yeah, manual it's not very dial. Adjustable, uh -huh. but, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I don't know. It's cheap though, for sure, man. So like, it's one definitely one of the cheap ones out there. It is one of the ones though that had a two-year warranty on it uh, when we went through that whole thing. So mm. for those of you who didn't uh, follow us uh, last on Friday, man, like you know, a lot of things we go through is uh, when do you change out your heater? Oh yeah. I mean, like I suggested in the past, man, change it out like every year, right? But like people laugh at me. They're like, I'm not gonna take a good working product and throw it in the trash. Well, like, <laughs> did yeah. you see the results of the poll? Uh, right. Yeah. How we we did a poll on uh, Reef to Reef that was how long is the how long until your first heater failed you and I I put in choices like less than you know, like six months or less than six months a year you, one two years three uh, all the way up to four and then all the way up to like never and the majority uh, the overwhelming majority is in like four plus years are never yeah so you know what though that's misleading so mm. you go look at it and it's like four plus years and never yeah except for if you do the math man like one third of it is within the first year. So there's this uh, giant bar here of it lasts <laughs> a long time. Yeah. But one in three chance it's going to break in the next year, man. Uh, that's a hell of a gamble. Those are, yeah. those are pretty good odds on fail. I, I don't know, man. Like, am I going to bet my whole – like, it depends on how much money you got in your tank, huh. right? So, like, that's why you, you see it, you know, so frequently. Like, you know, one in three fail in a year is pretty bad. Yeah. Man. Like, I would call it terrible. 
You yeah. know, like uh, those are really bad odds. It's not if you're one of the two thirds, but like, uh, hmm. I don't, if I could get, say, like, you want to bet thirty bucks right now that your tank is going to survive the next year? Uh, Just thirty nope. bucks. Yeah, because that's how much the, the heater is. Yeah, but the things in my tank cost way more than thirty bucks. Yeah, the heater's yeah. thirty bucks. Yeah, though, I know. Yeah, and yeah, you're yeah. gonna that you're betting your tank on that thing right now. Yeah, that's yeah, tough. That's insane. Yeah. So yeah, you know what? So the one of the things that we came up with though was like, hey. Let's look at the warranty in these things. And mm -hmm. I know that warranty doesn't like I give a one-to-one ratio of how long it lasts, but like for sure, if uh, I'm the guy that like uh, made these things and I'm not willing to replace them past a, a year because so mm -hmm. many of them are breaking, it's financially unwise for me to <laughs> warranty them past a year. I, knowing full well that like, 90% of people would never go through the process of the, oh, a $30 yeah, warranty. Yeah. When I say oh. 90, maybe 95, like, that is a mark that's worth chucking. You know, the, mm. like, if you're the manufacturer thinks it's going to last six months, yeah. uh, <laughs> I, why are you betting on four years? So you know? research then. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so, I mean, that's not 100% because, you know, I'll just tell you right now, like, you know, the Eheim is guaranteed through three, three years right in the front here. But, mm -hmm. you know, with Eheim, you got something with like a uh, international type uh, warranty service. Like, I don't know who you'd even call in the U.S. to get warranty service mm, on. So I imagine a little bit of a runaround. So super easy to uh, warranty something that you have no intention on actually fulfilling. <laughs> you know, that's why I like uh, the Cobalt guys, man. These ones are three years as well. Yeah. I, I found it in the instructions. So I don't know if it says. Yeah, right on, on the, the front. On the, uh, does it? Yeah. yeah three warranty three right on the front warranty. with the Cobalt guys. So those guys are here in the U.S. Uh, and oh, I, nice. I know them. Yeah. Uh, Viral and those guys. So I fully expect that they would actually replace the thing as needed. And, you know, like most of the heaters out there, they definitely had their own debacles uh, where I think, you know, some of the, the neotherms, you know, exploded like five years ago. Oh. Maybe one breaks here and there. But you know what? Like all of them. Uh, at some point, yeah, all of them do. I mean, yeah. we have an example right over here. So Yeah, you know what? Actually, that was a good point, man. I saw one. Somebody said that it... Uh, you bring yeah. the thing up here yeah, for a second. Yeah, uh, so uh, one of them, what, I saw a neotherm explode in somebody's tank, and these, they called it the goo or whatever that came out of it, and it was in the saltwater mixing bin like this one, right? Yeah. And so for those of you guys who don't know, this guy exploded in our saltwater mixing bin. It's just like a, you know, I think it was a Cobalt Aquatics guy. I don't know. No, a Phoenix. I'm Phoenix. Sure. Oh, that's yeah. what I meant. Uh, Phoenix. And uh, exploded. And you could say, oh, man, Phoenix is terrible. But you know what I really think happened? We is that thing went dry. Several times. Multiple yeah. occasions. I think multiple yeah. times. So I think it went dry, and uh, we sucked all the water out of it, and it just got overheated. Or maybe got, you know, we had originally suction cupped it to the bottom, and maybe after time it kind of got flipped up mm -hmm. or whatnot. And so, I mean... That's one thing about you know heating your salt water mixing bins. In your sump, you usually will put the heater in a place where it doesn't matter. It could never run dry. Right. Somewhere in there will always be submerged. Right. But in your salt water mixing bin, man, it can happen. You know, and so uh, I would definitely think about that. Hmm. This, by the way, like uh, when it exploded, we used some of that water. Uh, There's it, copper in it. It was filled with copper, and it definitely had that effect on Noah's tank. Yeah. Uh, so it started wiping corals out like rapidly. Luckily, we got so much water around here in other locations, they were able to change it and save the tank. But yeah. uh, we're able, not able to save the hair algae in there. No, that's uh, well, that's from the <laughs> leaky roof. Oh, yeah. That's well, you say leaky that. roof water. You know what? Gross Actually, hair it did save the hair algae, like an extra strength. Yeah, so. All right. <clears throat> Poor Noah. All right. Uh, what we else we got that. in here? What temperature range for a fully mixed SPS or LPS, uh, LPS tank? 
You know, that was one of the things, man, that, like, you know, I, I guess I never really spent a lot of time researching, like, mm -hmm. what it is in a, you know, your average reef, but apparently, man, the, uh, you know, temperature in your average reef is, like, 83 degrees. Is it really? Yeah, it would have... Well, because I've seen, like, I've seen poles. Uh, reef Central had a pole a while, a long time ago, and there's poles. I mean, these poles pop up, like, what do you keep your tank temp at? And, like, 78 is pretty much everything I've ever seen, I, all, all, like, all across the board. Seen. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so 83, 83, 83. And like, it's across the, like, I think Dr. Ron Schimmick did it. Uh, and you know, I, I, I think Randy Holmes Farley was the guy that shared the, the post about it. But like, so like, oh man, 83. And granted, there's like currents hmm. and stuff in the, in the ocean, you know, so it's a little, little different. Changing time. I don't know yeah. anybody in the cool home aquarium, man, intentionally trying to maintain it at 83. And here's a couple of reasons that I thought Randy uh, Holmes Farley shared yeah. was A, uh, there's way better, you know, oxygen saturation Added. in the ocean than there is in our tanks here, uh -huh. and in our tanks, uh, oxygen saturation, or when the, when, not just in our tanks, but as it gets hotter, there's less oxygen or gas exchange in the water, mm. and so things just go south faster. It's not like at 83, it's so like so little of the gas exchange that everything's going to go belly up. Right. But what happens if the power goes out? There was less to begin with. It goes faster. Right. 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 And also, man, the ocean doesn't mm. have to rely on that crappy heater over there, like not turning off or getting miscalibrated or whatnot. Mm. Right. So you're on the edge of the danger zone. You're right on the edge, and like yeah. you know, a couple of degrees, and you're watching whole reefs go out right now. You know. Yeah. And so one of the things that the, the, you know I was reading about in you know the ocean was that the stuff you know isn't an instantaneous effect so mm -hmm. it's not like all of a sudden it's like you know 84 and everything dies it's exposure to that for six months and then stuff starts to die and so like that's one of those hmm. things where people you know in home aquaria just like kind of accept that hey once in a while coral dies you yeah. know man it was probably six months of doing something wrong before it said finally died <laughs> you know and so you know we just try to remove those as much as possible you know, I wouldn't go and tell anybody. I, I'm going to stick to my uh, 78. Uh, you know, the one of the things, too, is everything happens faster at a higher temp, slower mm -hmm. uh, at lower temps. I also would not – I've seen ranges, people saying, like, hey, I'll let it go down to the way to 73. And yeah. Like, now we're so far away from, you know, what it would be in the ocean. And I don't know, man. Like, I, I'm certain. Like, I had that, that first tank I showed you guys last week. Mm. The heaters went out in that one for weeks, man. Like, I, I didn't know until finally. And I kind of touched the water. I thought it was a little cold, but I, like, really didn't. I think it was, like, low 70s or something? I don't know. It was years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is, like, you know, 20 years ago almost, mm. you know, like, or 18 or something. But, like, first tank, and I'm like, oh, it's cold, you know. And then uh, I went back, and eventually things were dying, you know, after a couple months. And I realized the heater was done. Oh. You know? And so I, I just, like, cold things will go a really, really long time. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, as soon as Opposite. I got the heater back in, man, everything was good again. Huh. So yeah, I don't know, man. I, d I wouldn't. I would. I wouldn't leave it as low as that. Seventy-eight is definitely the goal. I mean, a couple degrees low, a couple degrees high, you're still good. Uh, you're not. Nothing's gonna like catastrophically die. That speaks volumes to the. If, if okay, so aquarium controller. Uh, I mean, obviously, I can mount under temperature and get alerts and stuff. But even even if uh, I don't have an aquarium controller, the little color changing sticker to put on yeah. the front that may be yep. a little tacky, but hide it back in the corner. Mm -hmm. Even just a glance at that. Uh, Sweet. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, the little, so all those like like heat sensitive stickers you can oh, put yeah. in your tank. Just sell them, man. Like I walk up and say, like I've stuck my hand in it, and like, oh, it feels kind of cold. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, like uh, yeah, that, that's terrible. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I think absolutely. And you know, and that was like where this guy came in. You know, we talked about it. You know, and not only will it, you know, I walk up and see a glance. It's kind of big, so you know, not the most ideal solution, but. Uh, you can walk up and see the temp, but it's gonna go off a little audible alarm mm. and flash at you and stuff, saying, "Hey, man, the temp's bad." Yeah. Right. So if all you're gonna do is run a couple of heaters or one heater, mm. having something, man, the chances of you noticing it visually that something's wrong, it's because stuff is dying. Yeah, it's far you know, too, too yeah. late. Yeah. So I mean, it can go weeks and weeks and weeks before you mm. recognize. It. You know, especially if two heaters, if one died. The chances that you know that you're relying on one of them at this point are so low if you don't have anything to monitor it. I mean, because the things turn on and off all the time. So I look you know? at it, and if it has a built-in controller, it may be on, it may not be off, but I don't know whether or not it's just working or not. Yeah, uh, so audible alarm for sure, hmm. you know, but, you know, uh, really uh, the chances that, uh, with this thing is 40 bucks. Why not buy like an ink bird, you know, that are like 38 bucks? Ah, that leads into a good <clears throat> question here. There's a, somebody was talking at the, towards the top, Dave. Um, it was one of these controllers. It was like, well, what was one of the best? Uh, oh, here we go. Best low budget non-Apex heater controller. I don't know about best, but... Okay. Uh, affordable. Uh, there's some out there for sure. That, like the Inkberg one that we had for a while. Where's that little guy? Um, I mean, uh, and then there's yeah, the <laughs> Ottawa one. That's like thirty bucks. No, I think it's sixty bucks. Is it really? Yeah, oh. I think it is. But you know what? I wow. mean, this guy was simple. You just like I honestly it, before doing this video, I never really encountered it. But it gives you a range. Yeah, it's like it, it's dummy proof, man. Is what it is. Yeah. You know, you plug in the heater into this thing. It's up to a thousand watts. If you know it ever goes outside of that range. It will just turn your heater off, man. Yeah. Like, no problem. Or right? uh, or alert with flashing yep, light and everything. Light flashes, man, and there's an alarm, mm -hmm. audible alarm. says, hey, man, fix your heater. Yeah, that's the right? Auto Aqua for those listening. Yeah. Auto Aqua Smart Temp Security. problem yeah. with it is it... The range? Yeah, the range is so it's big. It's like 70, 72, 72 to like 83. To like 80, yeah, it's a I wide mean, I, range. I wish I could... I'm going to call somebody up over here and tell them to shrink that up a little bit because I totally use this otherwise, and I recommend it to other people because mm -hmm. you know, it's so simple. You just plug it in. There's no programming there's yeah. no nothing uh you know i was gonna say the ink bird here but my problem with the ink bird is twofold you know the ink bird's 38 bucks and probably about the cheapest thing you can get right the problem with the ink bird though is that the thermostat currently is a little metal probe oh yeah that's it's right. just like crimped on the top which is just fine if you never submerge it yeah you can if submerge the metal tip but not not the crimp that, part right. you know past that and it's mm. really not to to its credit, it's not really initially designed for this purpose, right. you know, so, you know, if, you know, reefers just kind of reuse stuff all the time. So, <laughs> uh, so if you don't submerge it, which is great, like in the tank, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because in the tank, it's pretty stable. In the sump, man, Fluctuation. yeah, power goes out, yeah. goes up, you know, like there's all kinds of reasons. So you have to find a place in the sump where water level will never rise past this to mm. use it which uh, is not that many places in many cases. So just be aware if you use that. The second thing is I think it has a two degree swing, you know? So 
like which is which is often the the heater itself almost like with the control if you're using built-in controls. So actually, most of these things are like within, within the tens a, of points. A tenth. Yeah, you know, there's like a couple of them. Like the JBJ goes like two degrees, yeah. but most of them are a couple of tenths. But like this thing is you know two degrees before it turns on and off, mm. and so it's a pretty big range. I don't think it's gonna like hurt your tank or anything. Not as wide as 74 to 83 or yeah, or no, that, like that not as like that, like 10 degrees. But uh, you hmm. know, I. That honestly, I'd still maybe use, but the fact that the probe. But you know what? I got Zach here. Zach does all of our per product oh, merchandising yeah. here, and Looking I think he's been working stuff. with those guys to get a sealed probe for it, so that's no longer an issue. As well as uh, you know, you can keep the two degree temperature swing if you want, or shrink it down. So oh, I think yeah. they're Adjustable. working on the coating on it oh, a nice. little bit. So hopefully for thirty-eight bucks, that will be the ultimate solution. There's another one out there that you know somebody asked in the in the comments why we don't use is a Ranco. Okay. And yeah, I've seen I those. actually used the Ranco on like one of my first takes because uh, after I got sick of screwing up, screwing it up, mm. uh, you know, it's actually in the frag tanks I had in the basement. Mm -hmm. But those things are expensive, man. Like, you know, you're into that thing for 150 bucks with the proper probe and stuff. But the Ranco is a temperature controller often used on like furnaces and all kinds of like industrial applications. It's super heavy duty. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen one fail, although. I was talking to the WWC guys for last last week's video, and they actually had one that failed uh, at the moment. You know, it was failing. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, huh. so on the call we had. So, uh, you know, those things work too, but at a hundred and some bucks, man, like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, man. The problem is actually, you know what it used to be is the Reef Keeper was 120 bucks, and it was a, a it temp. was just as good. It, but you also got some other functionality out of it too. Yeah, so you know what, man? Like I, I, I like was a little shy about it in the last video, man. Terrence, if you're listening, man, release a, like a Reef Keeper replacement for God's sake. A, you know, like a, an entry level, yeah, entry type, level, man. Really two outlets, cost, plugs into whatever. Does you at know, least like, temperature. No, no. <laughs> pH probe, no uh. nothing, man. Like, just does temperature, like a little control that does like a Apex stuff, and then emails me, you know, like, uh, for if you can give me 100 bucks, <laughs> 20 bucks that controls my temperature, uh, and then emails me or texts me when there's a problem, Done. I'll pay every day. And yeah. then, you know, the problem is then you're stuck in the, like, uh, apex <laughs> ecosphere. And before you know, you got dosing pumps Which and stuff. not a bad but, thing. Well, yeah. So listen, Terrence. Like, hook us all up. Because the loss of the Reef Keeper was a major loss to the hobby to me, man. At 120 bucks, that was an awesome, awesome solution. Specifically for monitoring your temp and backing it up. It mm -hmm. was calibratable. It was configurable. Uh, you know, and... We still use uh, one or two around the office here in our water change stations and things like that, too. Uh, turning off. <laughs> on pumps. I don't know. Timers. I should ask Jason if he did it. Actually, a guy lost his temp probe went out, right? Huh. And, uh, you know, he's bummed out because what do you do? Now you own this uh, this old reef keeper that doesn't, you know, nobody supports anymore. Right. And uh, I told Jason to go dig in the closet and see if he can send the guy some probes. I bet we might have I, one or two. I, I bet you he did. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully he could find some old ones, man. Huh. But, yeah, so, yeah, the reef keeper, man, big loss, big loss. Uh, outside of that, uh, honestly, man, I was going through all the external controllers that, like, we sell, mm. and, I mean, none of them get me super excited. I, and this is just, like, one area that boggles the mind, man. Like, somebody out there should sell a decent option. Well, I think that uh, the one you and I were looking at in your office so a minute ago before we got in here was that Phoenix one I think we used to carry. But the only for me, the problem with that one, I mean, it looks big, it's robust, right. it's all calibrate, you can do all this other stuff with it, but I could, oh, it's one outlet. I can only plug one heater in it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, uh, I'm not going to spend double what I paid for my heater to only control one heater, you know, so... 
I think Dude, a I th- lot of those like went wayside when Reefkeeper was around because what possible reason would there. you buy a uh, Ranco or any of those things, man, if the Reefkeeper existed? Yeah. Right. Mm. Now the Reefkeeper doesn't exist. Maybe it'll see those rise again, but I doubt it. Hmm. I have a I like I, I'm, I'm holding out hope here for Zach and the uh, fixing the ink bird to the reefing application. So if anybody can do it, Zach, bring it home. <laughs> Uh, all right, man. Give me another cool. question here. Uh, let's see. Should any heater you should any heater you use as Krabby Dan ever lay down on the bottom of the sump, or should they always be suction cupped? Uh, he, and there's more suction cup to the side. Same question for most heaters: titanium or True Temp or Cobalt. So glass, titanium, whatever. You know, you get like conflicting result, or you know, like I, I've had conflicting you know information. Like mm. all of them say you can submerge them. You know, the main element portion of it. Some of them say it'd be better if you didn't submerge the top of it. Yeah. Some of them, like the the neotherm, actually, man, the total conflict. You read the instructions and it says you shouldn't submerge the top. Yeah. But you talk to them and they say, yeah, you should, because the thermostat in these things, like, is inside. It's usually it. in the top. Yeah, like it's inside the heater, in the top of the heater. So if it isn't submerged to whatever degree, it doesn't even know what temperature it is. Right. You know, so huh. uh, yeah, they absolutely have to be submerged. So what I would do though is I definitely. I like to put them on the bottom as much as I can and, you know, try to secure them there down there because like that play that they'll stay submerged. If you put them on the side, you know, make sure that they're going to stay submerged no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. Right. Because no matter how Mm -hmm. smart you think you are and organized you are, like if you put them in an area where they won't be submerged, you'll forget one day and then it will burn a hole through your sump. It will kill the, uh, it will kill the heater. If you're lucky, it'll just kill the heater. If you're even more lu- or less lucky, you'll be like Josh, where it melts and leaks copper into the tank, Oof. you know, or explodes goo. Or explodes, you know? yeah. yeah. Well, I th- you bring up a good point, too, that people are probably concerned about it. in asking this question, too, is, uh, you know, what if you lay the heater? You, I've got an uh, acrylic sump, and even underwater, I know this thing gets pretty dang hot. Like, is it going to melt through my acrylic? Uh, Not underwater, man. I don't, wouldn't think so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, underwater, I don't think there's any chance that it, it would cook anything like that. But expose like, uh, the air. As soon as it's exposed sure. the air, man, like you know, no, no, free game, man. Yeah, it could go dead any way it goes. You know, so, so that may, it brings up uh, another. Uh, I mean, and then there's brackets kind of like this. I brought this bracket out because one of uh, Chris sent it to us. He's in the comments here. He asked if oh. we liked our bracket. The bracket. He's the one that made the his daughter made the fil- the socks for us. The I mean, Christmas the socks. People like ever. Man. But I mean, yeah. he sent us this. I think Zach's looking at something like this. But these are brackets that can hold your heaters and magnets all out acrylic and. Mm. Makes it nice and neat. That's absolutely cool, cool, man. Like anything like, that holds stuff in place to me, like it gives me security. Like, yeah. I think it was Terrence said one day, man. Uh, if it looks neat and tidy, it means safe. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that, uh, and like there is a real sense. strong correlation between <laughs> neat and tidy and safe. There's no question, man. Huh. Doesn't mean any, like insurance uh, that for sure, but like yeah. uh, there's a very strong correlation between those two things. Uh, putting yeah. a heater in the overflow box, okay. Is that okay? Oh, so man. I'm trying to think of like most overflow boxes. Uh, say if you got like a reef ready. Uh, so like the, this overflow box, uh, the shadow or the or you know the, any of these kind of go through the back type ones. There's just no room. I don't. Yeah. I don't see any I, room. I guess. Like the reef ready tanks that say they have a whole column as their corner overflow, and it there's probably not really fills. Water that goes like the water's kind of like you know if the water goes over the overflow and then there's the standpipes. 
this is all kind of stagnant. Yeah. So it's not that it like you know it's going to turn over a little bit. A little bit. But like and it will it will work probably right. Less less efficient at, at heating the whole water column though, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would not put it in there. It, that would be not my choice to put it. I, mm -hmm. I guess is. Uh, uh, you know, and then there's that question, like, do I put the, you know, temperature probes or heaters in the tank or in yeah. the sump? Yeah. And, you know, I like to try to, I mean, this doesn't apply to everything. And I always like to look at each install, mm -hmm. you know, uniquely. But, like, one of the things that's kind of nice to do is be able to put the temperature probe and the heater in totally different areas, right? If mm -hmm. you have the oh, ability yeah. to do so. Because, like, you know, if your heater's, like, in your sump and the temperature probe's in the same area, like the uh, return pump could go out, and yep, your sump's hot. Tanks, tanks no good. Ice cold. Yeah, <laughs> tanks ice cold, right? So like, uh, if you didn't have like power monitoring or an apex or anything like that, mm -hmm. so that'd be like one of the things that you could find out. Like, uh, hey man, uh, my you know power went out because the tank's actually getting cold, but the sump isn't. You mm -hmm. know, uh, and also you can kind of change the cycles that these things turn on and off so like if i put the like in our case the refugiums first so if i put the temp probe there and mm -hmm. then i put the heaters in the chamber afterward like it would have to heat the whole tank yeah. up like a tenth of a degree you know before yeah. it turns off so you can start to you know bring the si on off cycles down because yeah. These things are turning off every uh, handful of seconds or whatever. I mean, it's hundreds of thousands or millions of times a year. And I got to tell you, nothing that is 30 bucks is made for millions of power cycles and expected to last four years. Right. You know, that's why this thing lasts a year. And that was one of the things we hit in the video, man. It's like, why doesn't this thing work? Like, man, we're looking for a heater element, something that's designed to heat up and then heat back down hundreds of thousands if not millions of times in a year yeah it's gonna have we only spent 30 bucks on it so like, like it needs to have like a dollar thermostat inside of it you know <laughs> uh it like the calibration on it is gonna drift yeah uh, all kinds of different things hmm. and i think our expectations for what we're gonna get for 30 bucks is like man like we're asking for a lot we're asking you know? for like uh, we're asking for a jaguar when we're paying for you know I mean, you know, still though, like in this case, there's yeah. no Jaguar. Okay. You know, really, man. Oh, you like, mean available yeah. for the hobby? Yeah, still, yeah. man. If I wanted to buy a $500 heater that like was going to save the day and it never would fail me, not man. Not there. It doesn't exist. I mean, when I say $500, that's obviously crazy. But there's no $100 heater, you know, that like that's I leaps and bounds heavier uh, above yeah, yeah. the rest. Yeah, for I sure. mean, I would call the Neotherm better. Like the accuracy mm -hmm. of it was better. The on-off cycles uh, were much tighter. I've never had one fail me yet. I mean... Mm -hmm. Uh, but you pay like, a little more money yeah, for I, them. I know they do fail, yeah. so I, like I, I wouldn't represent it that way. So I'd pay a little bit more. But like, if you go look at the reviews, it's like instead of you know two and a half to three stars, it's like four. Yeah, you know, and the four is fives and ones, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> you know, like the, there's a one in five people, man. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things I like to look at, uh, and the stars actually is, you know, like the, looking at four, four stars that can give mm. you like a false representation, like oh yeah, that's you know, mostly it, good, bad. right? Yeah, it's a uh, mix of ones and fives and averaged out to four. Yeah, yeah, and like so, somebody asked that about like a black box LED or something, mm -hmm. you know, uh, on uh, the hashtag Aspirus TV, and I'm like, yeah, cool, man, I'll go look at it, right? And man, it had like three and a half stars, you know, like, so like, hey, dude, uh, oh, you know, yeah. probably, you know, generally okay. It's a hundred bucks. Like, how bad can it be? And it's like not mission critical. If it fails, it's probably going to break off or something, right? Yeah. But if you actually tally it up and look at it, like, 
It's definitely about like uh, three people that said it's awesome and one person said it broke. You know, or, or actually two in one in this case. It's yeah. three stars. So like, I don't know, man. Three stars <laughs> isn't really all that great, especially if you're one in three where like, 100 bucks is just garbage. The I star guess. system's yeah. flawed. Yeah, I, um, I don't know. It's different if you like, it's like, yeah, some people thought four, some people thought five, yeah. you know, somebody three, but if it's polarizing like the heaters are of one in five, I mean, pay attention because one in five, it broke, you know? Uh, and, and in this case, maybe I'm better off, you know, instead of spending three, 200 bucks on our, on our whatever, on a heater, mm. buy, you know, multiple $30 ones and then throw them away. You yeah. know, like don't, don't wait. And, that, and that's one of the things, man, like I just got to keep driving home. This is an element of life support, right? Like so, a, a big one, yeah. depending on where you live, yeah. It's an element of life support for this tank, mm -hmm. right? And so, like, let's say, like, I was on, like, a rebreather or whatever. Something's keeping me alive. Yeah. We don't wait till it's broken. Like, it's, it's like, three times past warranty service, man. Like, like, <laughs> like, like no, we'd never do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. You're cheap. Maybe you would. When I buy a rebreather that has... <laughs> A bunch of one stars and maybe a five to balance it out. Yeah, yeah eBay no. rebreather. Yeah, <laughs> no, man, you wouldn't do that, especially if it's only thirty bucks, man. Yeah, so, true. like, I, 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 I say this, and I like I'm on this crazy campaign, but the reality is, is I know nobody's going to do this. Yeah, man. You're going to throw away a perfect. This is the rest. The rest of the world is thinking you're going to throw away a perfectly good working heater at a year and replace it with a brand new one at thirty bucks a year. So what is, is it perfectly good? I don't know. I don't, th I, I don't know, man. Because here's the thing, man. Is it like what you've done is like I plugged it in the wall. It probably has like 95 plus percent uh, like success rates for the first, you know, six months or something. Right? right. And then at one year, it's like 85. Right. So it was perfectly good. Like I'm now down to like, you know, <laughs> one in nine chance my tank's going to die because of this thing. You know, at Give two years, year. it, you know, apparently, <laughs> it, uh, according 65. to Reef to Reef, man, like uh, one in three chance, huh. you know, like huh. it's not perfectly good. No, it's not. It's <laughs> less than perfect to a point so, that's tolerable to you. Okay, so then, you know, you can make the argument, maybe every one and a half years, or stretch it out uh, two years, I don't you know. know. Whatever you want to do, man, but just don't wait till it fails. Like, yeah, you know? that's, the, that's the message for sure. Like, or, or do defy the odds, you know, and just throw the dice, you know, like, uh, and uh, <laughs> like, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many people have come before me. Yeah, I mean, somebody makes a good comment. Uh, makes a good comment here about you know uh, the warranty on some of these, or even the heaters. If if it has a warranty, even if it has a warranty, it's a warranty for the heater. It's not a warranty for everything oh, your in your tank. tank. Yes, yeah, thirty uh, bucks. Nobody will pay for your replacement of your corals and your fish okay. and everything like but that. But it is. Is even the guy that makes this thing isn't willing to risk the thirty bucks, you know? Right? <laughs> <laughs> and you're willing to risk your old tank, you know? The guy that knows how this thing is made, mm. seen the factory, designed it, and knows this ain't like gonna last more than six months. Yeah. Uh, or a big, there's gonna be a lot of failures past six months that we can't possibly insure past. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like these insure for him, it's not even thirty bucks. Uh, a cost on these things to produce yeah. is probably fifteen. You oh, know, after changed hands four yeah. times, yeah, probably ten, man. Like huh. I don't want to risk the ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, let's get uh, another one. Steve's got a good one here. What uh, thermometer do you use to calibrate controllers? All right, well, let's shoot. Uh, you know, we, for the longest time, we were using that, um, what was the name of that that tall, skinny traceable. one? Yeah, the traceable. Yeah, so a couple of different traceable ones. And we had a traceable stick one. It's I think it's on our site for like 60-some bucks or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that worked pretty well for a while. It was uh, You made the argument in one of our BRCV Investigates videos to where you could either get pay the dollars for a really nice uh, thermometer uh, or you can buy like three cheap ones and then average them together uh, so I, you know for us we, we use that traceable one for a long time Hannah has that um, it's called the check temp the digital one that, like 38 that, bucks yeah and it's yeah, 38 bucks and it, it's actually really it works really well mm-hmm. um, so I would tr- I would almost trust that one uh, kind of a standalone. I've been using like Zach's. I go to Zach's desk and borrow his all the time. Uh, but the traceable one we use that's like sixty some bucks. But really like uh, go get a couple ten dollar ones or a few ten dollar ones and average them together. Yeah, so that's what I'd say is, and actually, Terrence gave me that idea. Uh, so all these things, uh, if you look at them, they're all plus or minus like uh, two degrees or something. Yeah, you know, it's like uh, guaranteed here on the side of this packaging to be, you know, plus or minus. Two degrees or, or something, man. Seven, uh, where, set where it at 78, say? and it could be 76, and it could be 80. Yeah, like, who knows, man? And that's, like, if it was actually functioning. Right. You know, so if it's misfunctioning a little bit, you know, malfunctioning. Uh, you know, so I, I just found these things to be off by as much as six degrees, including uh, the uh, controllers, including even the Apex. Mm. So, like... You mean from the box? I pull it out of the box, I set it to 78, and it's nowhere near 78. Six degrees off, yeah. man. Right? Yeah. And so... And the way you find that often is like when you're trying to set, you know, like program your controller and program the heater and they like conflict with each other and it doesn't work. It's because one of them's off. Right. right? Uh, And so, you know, I found, you know, to find one that I trust in general, like, you know, I trust those traceable ones, Mm -hmm. uh, the pens. I also trust that HANA one for Mm -hmm. the most part. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, a lot of people here trust the HANA one more. Uh, and I wouldn't doubt it either way. Uh, they're like, you know, NIST validated and yeah. whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, these things are made for accuracy. You know, most of them are just, you know, thermostats you buy and, you know, to cook a steak or something, man. Like, it, <laughs> it like, doesn't, it's not made for that. Like, so I could go buy like a InstaRead uh, $80 thermopen, man. Yeah. Actually, and then you could test your take, steak and your tank, man. <laughs> so, I mean, I'll do I that. don't know. Uh, uh, but like, uh, yeah, I guess I'd use one of those things, man. Uh, but in the absence of that, yeah, I go buy the th- ch- three cheapest heat or t- thermometers I can, like wherever, man. The little kitchen oxo type or, ones, yeah, yeah, kitchen ones from you know uh, from uh, like a Target yeah. or Walmart or something like that. Get three of them and then average them together, and you'll be surprised how they are definitely two degrees off from each other. Yeah, uh, but, the, but like, on if, average, if not more, yeah, you uh, know. So on average, man, like, no, for Close sure, enough. I won't be far enough that it will hurt my tank, right? right? And I'll be doing better than most, mm. you know, because most people didn't go out there and do that. But if mm. you just want to do it once, you don't want to monkey around with three of those things. And they do need to be calibrated frequently, or not frequently. But I was going like, to ask you that. Again. Like, what would be your maintenance rhythm for calibrating temperature probes? Controllers or uh, Apex aquarium controllers, any of them? Oh, man. Well, I like with the Apex to usually try to have two, you know, if I can. Which you we know, did. I have different modules. Yeah. I'll, I'll buy the other probe mm-hmm. so that if one of them drifts from the other one, I mean, it's pretty, pretty rare that they would both go at the same time. Yeah. But remember that if the heater fails, that's one thing. If the thermostat fails, it's another. And like those, those, those uh, like uh, Terrence would tell you, uh, 
Never, ever, ever use one of these uh, uh, straight up straight just up titanium, titanium heaters heater. not plugged into just a the thermostat. Element. Yeah, no. Because like the apex, not necessarily the apex is going to fail. Mm. Eventually, that probe is going to fail, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. For you know, once some anything submerged in salt water long enough is going to go. Right. So three years from now, that thing is going to fail, like, and that's why we use the thermostat usually on the heater to back it up. So set the one in the apex to 78 and the heater to 80 or you know whatever you know controller you're yeah. using or you know this guy will back it up yeah. or whatnot uh but yeah man so i think mean, that brings up a big point that you talked about in a majority of last week's video okay. just redundancy right? the built-in controller on the heater along with the controller and then maybe multiple heaters and stuff like that i got a bit on this one man but like uh, I, I think i'm gonna be curious what you guys think huh. give me a thumbs up or down on this idea but <laughs> uh you know the one thing about this true temp here is you can actually screw it to calibrate it okay I think partially that's because it needs to be calibrated more often. Huh. You know, like some of the other ones, like hold their, their calibration longer. So, uh, you know, this thing is super simple. There's just a, like a little piece of metal that bends at different temperatures and like mm -hmm. closes two contacts based on how it's bent. Mm -hmm. And I think over the years and energy going through it, it just kind of changes a little bit. So my opinion is that thing needs to be calibrated more often. But what was the other thing you were saying? Uh, oh, just the... the um, uh, redundancy, yeah, right? Yeah. So this is one of the things, man. I've been thinking about a lot, and you know, like, like, you know, we're thinking about bringing a new heater in, and it's a little like, uh, I guess it's not hush house. One of the things we were thinking about bringing is this. How do you pronounce it? Shago. 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 Uh -huh. So this guy's a little bit more expensive. It's a German-made titanium heater, and instead of having like plastic caps at the bottom, man, it's like welded. It's welded. You know? Yeah. Uh, and like I was hesitant because we haven't brought it in yet, but like they gave us exclusivity in the U.S. and stuff already, so you know, <laughs> hopefully it'll, it'll work out. But you know, it's a big, heavy titanium heater, uh -huh. and it just has a plug on it, right? And just plugs in. They they have their own external controller there, and so one of the things I was thinking about is like, hey man, because we just wire this thing right into a properly designed inkberg, right? Okay. Yeah. But like, why would I do that, man? Like, there's a plug there. Like, why not utilize the plug? Right? And this call it a heater. It's got its own external controller. If I wire it directly into the ink bird, okay. it is now a, like a standard it's heater. A, it's right? a controller and heater built in one. It's no different than this guy. Yeah. Yeah, the controller's here, and there's a heater wired right into it, right? It's all in one package, yeah. Yeah. So that's what you think about as a heater. But the moment I separate it and allow you to plug it in, then mm -hmm. it's a heater and a controller, and it's like not it's the two same separate thing. Things. Right? It's kind of good, though, right? It is, I think. I think so. So, like, here's the thing, man. If I do that, I yeah. got now I got this German-made heater, right? Okay. That uh, like is welded on both ends. Big, solid, heavy, you know, German-made thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's got a plug that goes into a controller, mm -hmm. right? Which means if the heater goes, I can throw the heater out. If the controller goes, I can throw the whole or the controller out. Don't necessarily need to throw both of them out, right? Right. And uh, now, man, I can plug it into the ink bird, which is calibratable, mm -hmm. right? So I can get it to the right temperature. It can change to the right temperature that I want it to be at, right? Uh, and uh, there was a third thing in there somewhere, man. Hmm. Uh, the on-off cycles I can change, oh, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so now I got a totally configurable heater, right? So, you know, what do I do with it? Do I back it up with another one of these things? That yep. seems absurd. Like with another controller, with another uh, ink bird? Yeah. Or Apex or anything like that? Okay, but so I'd plug this thing into ink bird and think that that was normal. Would I plug an ink bird into an ink bird and think that is normal? No. It's the same thing though, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, except for better because they're both <laughs> configurable. They're both uh, settable down to the, the degrees that I would want them to, the okay. finite. Like, 
So one of the cool thing is though, in that scenario, if I did this one, what I would need is two controllers essentially, and then go get a backup one. In this case, because there's two outlets on the Inkbird that we're looking at, right. Right, I can plug two of my heaters into one, oh, yeah. right? And then I can plug the one Inkbird into the other one. So I still only have two controllers, okay. right? Not three, because right. uh, it goes up to 1,000 watts. And I've like, got all the redundancy I'm looking for. Oh, just redundant. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be a little bit like the, the German-made heaters are more expensive. There's no question. Yeah. Like, but it isn't. It isn't I'd, I'd be shocked if it was, if it was more than 100 bucks. I'd be appalled. Uh, yeah, I think it'll be probably closer to 60. So, mm. I, but I don't know for sure. Uh, but like, I think that scenario, man. I got a high quality heater element. I got it tied into a, a sealed uh, solution that's configurable. I don't know. I don't. We don't know for sure. We're gonna man. play around with it when we get I, them in. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we're gonna put it to the test, man. I, I don't want to sell, you know, garbage. So, yeah. like, we're gonna keep working on it. But this idea is coming together for me. I uh, mean, hopefully, we'll like it. I mean, you make a you make a really good point as far as uh, you know having the ability to throw the heater away when the heater's broken or the controller away when the controller's broken versus when you're buying most of most of these with the built-in you have to throw both of them away when one might have been good when one might not have been well and then if you got backups into your backup and those things are only 38 bucks or something like i maybe they'll be a little bit more when they've configured it but you know they're pretty cheap hmm. you know whatever 45 bucks maybe so if i got two of them in that way like I might be willing to wait until one breaks, especially yeah. the heater element itself. Right. If I get two heater elements, I will definitely let one of those break. Ah, then that's a good because point. I'm not worried about off, man. So, and, and I'm bringing up multiple heater redundancy then. So you're talking uh, not having, I need a 300 watt, so I have two heaters that are 150 watts a piece, and now I'm redundant. Uh, you're talking like, I need to buy two heaters. That uh, each one can handle my tank temperature and what it requires to maintain solid no, tank. Temp. No, 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 you don't because you can plug both of them into the same uh, outlet on because it goes up to a thousand mm -hmm. watts. So, mm -hmm. like, if you needed a three hundred watt heater, you could do two fifty and plug it in the same outlet, and they both turn on and off at the exact same time. Oh, okay. And if one of them goes, it just wouldn't be able to heat it all the way. So you would right? notice the temperature and slightly probably set lower. off an alarm. Okay. You know, and tell yeah. you, hey man, this isn't isn't where in the range it needs to be. Just throw one, one of these guys are gone, away. or you know, replace it. Yeah. So with Without a thermostat built into the heater, it's not going to break on, yeah. right? The the ink birds would. So I mm. think I'd actually run the heater to its end life. Okay. Like the especially if I thought I had a good one. Yeah. You know, I think I'd run the actual the heater to itself, and maybe I would just maybe I just kind of cycle the the thermostats out, so like uh, replace one of the redundant thermostats uh, every year. So if you let, if you had two of them and you let them run, you let one of them run to its end life, would you replace it like you would your headlights to where if I'm going to replace one, I'm going to replace both of them at the same time, not just let one die and then let like, another one die. die at the same time? Yeah, well, or one died, but the other one's still kicking. Like, do I let that one die or just replace them both? Well, so I've heard that argument before, you know, and like one of the places where it's burned me before mm. is in hard drives, you know, so, you know, computer geeks out there, you build a, like a RAID array, right? <clears throat> It protects you from any one of these hard drives going down. There's redundant information in there, and you're yeah. like, ah, well, hey, man, it took five years for one of these to fail. Like, I'm just good, man. I'll, I'll replace it when I want to, right? Okay, no, because <laughs> these things are spinning at the same 10,000 RPMs as all the other ones in there. They all came off the same exact line, right? right. right? And uh, they all have the same tolerances, and don't be surprised if they break within a day of each other. Huh. I mean, because they have, like... You know, they're really refined things, and it may not happen that way. And as I talk about it right now, like, 
if I ever do that again, I'm gonna buy different brands of. Ah, they don't raid very well. Yeah. Uh, brands, but like, yeah, I, I don't know, man. So the same thing, the the heater control. I mean, the things turning on and off like the same amount of times. So like, don't be surprised if it if it breaks together. Together, pretty close. All right, new one. All right, let's see what else we got. Uh, oh, there you go. I mean, ah, there you when go. heaters when heaters fail, do they just stop working, or is it possible that they overheat? Uh, both, and probably more likely in the in the on position you think it depends nah. on the the thermostat inside more or less right like if you've got that bimetal thermostat and it's constantly touching together do you they, think it they, would fail they like confuse. in the fuse yeah so exactly. like the, the bimetal thermostat will will happen is like the metal pulls apart goes together mm -hmm. and like once in a while arc will go back yeah. through there and it fuses like together it. and it's yeah. stuck on for good yeah uh so they can fail both ways i mean it, catastrophically it's been my experience that they fail off more times than stuck on, mm. but on, like That's the worse. tank's done. Yeah. Right? If you don't, if you don't have a redundant system or designed it well for your system, mm. like you can come back in uh, a matter of hours uh, or broke in the middle of the night, you wake yeah. up, tank's dead. Uh, and so, like on is super, super, super bad. And it'll break on in a variety of ways. Like an internal thing could just break and get mm. stuck on. It could like miscalibration. The temp, the temp probe could get stuff in it and break. And so the thermostat might actually be working right, but it thinks the temp in the tank is actually 62 now for some reason because right. the temperature probe broke. It just right? keeps heating. And just keeps yeah. trying to heat it. Like it thinks huh. it's, it's working, but it doesn't. So yeah, the the problem with the heater is it can break on or off uh, in either way. Uh, off, you can probably survive a really really long time. Yeah. Uh, depending on you know where you live yeah. and, and how cold your yeah. house is, mm -hmm. but uh, off or on, on? Uh, it could be hours to days depending on how powerful your heater is. Right. And again, you know, it may not like just keel over at uh, it gets up to 85 you know like the tank may survive 85 for a short period of time but if it's 85 for four days and you didn't know it like you usually things go like this you know like hey it looks kind of funny you know, like, yeah, everything dies man like all at once it's just a chain of events it just goes south so like uh yeah i don't know man uh, there's your answer yeah uh, uh, there was one in here and oh here. Um, hey, no heater for me. I live in the Bahamas. Ah, good for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's same you. thing with Florida too. Hey, you uh, want to change WWC. lives? I'm in. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so cooling, man. We never we don't talk about cooling. Oh uh, yeah, that was one thing I was talking. Uh, I have listed on the list here too. So, so chillers. We talk about. I mean, for us, it's easy to talk about heaters this time of year because it's freezing outside and, and no, snowing. Nobody but, uses chillers either, man. But chillers, uh, well, uh, it's so rare. People do. I mean, we sell you, like a couple of them, man. Like. But for the uh, most part, people are relying, I would say, more on, like, their air conditioning in their home, their ambient room temperature coupled with, like, some fans. Mm -hmm. uh, like, there was a, we used to have one on across here, some of those, uh, I think Tunes, Tunes has them, uh, the fans that blow straight across, they mount on the edge of the tank. Yeah. Uh, we've had some big ones on the back. Yeah, so the some. way this works with the fan, you know, uh, and most of you probably already know, but, like, you know, I've had somebody ask me once, like, does how does a fan work? Because, you know, it's like... You know, blowing warm air, you know, if your room's already 80 degrees and you blow 80 degree air, is it going to stay 80 degrees? And like, 
doesn't work that way, man. Uh, the way it works is uh, it's promoting evaporation. Mm. And evaporation is like energy release and heat is energy release. So anything you can do to promote evaporation in the tank with uh, the fan. Uh, power or heads churning. Power heads churning, yeah. break a surface tension or mm. anything will help evaporation and will help reduce the temperature in the tank. In most cases, uh, fans are adequate. They we're not running halides and stuff these days anymore. Uh, fan definitely venting the hood out is usually adequate. Yeah, I, I'd say actually where I see it a lot is smaller tanks where there isn't as evaporation and balance between the amount of equipment on the tank and the amount uh, of water mm -hmm. is disproportionate. So water changes temperature a lot faster. So you're, in that taking, case. you're taking more equipment in the tank with the amount of watts that, I mean, you could almost say that say a 50 or 60 watt skimmer is putting 50 to 60 watts worth of heat into mm -hmm. the, into the body of and water. It's a big body of water yeah. or small body of water. So like, yeah. uh, that ULM that's in your office now, I gave him the SPS one. Yeah. So that one, I had to put a fan on it because, you know, we had the UV sterilizer on mm -hmm. it. We had, I mean, it's only 60 gallon tank. Had two return two, pumps. It yeah. had like, you know, all these power heads on it. Oh, even the fuge light, the, the fuge, fuge light that yeah. was on, yeah. It had like so much stuff on it for a really small body of water. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so cooling, I, I definitely would go to fans as, pos as much as possible. And for those of you who don't know, the Tunes one is just like a, a laptop fan, mm -hmm. you know, and you can actually find those in the open market for it's half the, the price. It's the Aquawind or something. Yeah, the it's Aquawind the is a Tunes thing. But yeah, the two fans side by side, but they have vents that... Yeah, basically you put, put your laptop on and keep yeah. it cool. Uh -huh. But, you know, the reality is, is it comes with a nice little clip that's glued on the bottom. And that clip is like... I don't know, unless you want to jerry-rig it, one <laughs> on there. The clip actually is really, it's not worth 30 more bucks, but it is at the same time. Yeah. Like, I, I wanted to stick on the side of the tank. The other, I don't want to put it underneath my laptop. So. Yeah. Uh, but you can find a cheaper one out there for the do-it-yourself people out there. For those that do not want to try to jerry-rig their own clip for a piece of electricity, it's going to sit on the top of some water. You know, one of my favorite things was to do, was, uh, of course, I'm a gear junkie, so uh, and I love the Apex, and I love the breakout box, but, or or even not even a breakout box, but you can tie well, you can tie it off a relative humidity to start a fan and things like that. You can wire that into a breakout box, but, I mean, plugging a fan into one of your controllable outlets and saying, hey, if the temperature's over such and such, turn this fan on, mm -hmm. and then it just kind of auto corrects itself over time but usually i give those ones a big swath too like a degree or something you know two or yeah. something to like turn on and off so the fan is just turn on and off all right, the time. right, but, right. Uh, so nobody uses chillers i mean some people do so here's a problem with the chiller like a it heats your house yeah. So the reason that your air conditioner is outside of the house because it's taking the heat in your house Blowing and it's putting it outside the hot air out yeah <laughs> so if you have the chiller that's in your room yeah. and some people are like uh, I was about to say dumb, but that'd be mean. And <laughs> some people would even put the chiller inside their stand. Mm. You know, so like you're just pulling hot air out of your tank and pumping it back into the oh, sump. Oh, yeah. You know, the sump area, which is just heating the thing all over oh. again, right? So you got to find a place to put it. It's noisy. It's noisy. expensive. It's a like point of uh, failure. Point of failure on or off. and water, yeah. Yeah, because temperature probe, can this thing can go too. Uh -huh. So failure on or off can freeze the tank. In this case, cold, too cold could be an issue. Yeah. And redundancy in a chiller. That's just ridiculous. Oh. Like, uh, who would ever buy two chillers in case one was going to go down? Wow. Yeah, they're, that'd be dumb. Because they're cost prohibitive. Yeah. I'd, to do that. It's space, cost. I mean, you have oh. to... I, mean, I guess it wouldn't be dumb if you got, like, a tank that's, like, 300 grand and stuff into it. Like, uh, you've invested, like, your whole inheritance in this tank. 
Yo, buy two chillers. I'm buying chillers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but like uh, outside of that, man, two chillers is crazy. So yeah, so for so for some of you, uh, heat is an issue. Usually, it's those of people that have hoods or smaller mm-hmm. tanks, mm-hmm. fans. Like, uh, and the bigger the fan, the better it'll work. Also, putting power heads up at the top to yeah. promote uh, evaporation uh, will definitely help. And maybe turning your thermostat in your living room down just a, mm. a tick or two. So ambient room temperature, yeah. right? And so, like, people totally, totally forget about this all the time, mm-hmm. man. Ambient room temperature is probably a bigger driver temp than the heater or fan in your tank, yeah. right? Huh. So all this stuff is kind of designed around the fact that most people live about 70 degrees, Yeah. right? So if your family, somebody in your family like wants to fight that and just like wants to save power or whatever and will let the house <laughs> get up to 85 all the time, you're just not going to have a tank very long. Yeah, uh, or, you know, you're going to have to, you know, buy a chiller or whatever. Uh, there are but, also people who don't like, like heat in their house. Like uh, that would be my me. grandma. Yeah. Like she likes turning the heat down at night. Yeah. So like, you know, it goes down to like six degrees at night, man. Yeah. Uh, that's bad for the tank. <laughs> you know, like you just don't think about it that way. But this it's true. Of, this is kind of another reason why I don't have a tank at the house anymore. Is uh, I had the Nest thermostat, but I couldn't do anything with it because I had to keep my tank or my house within this set of uh, temperature so I could keep the tank going. Well, I mean, you could put another heater on, nah, you know, nah. but like, yeah, so, <laughs> you know, for sure, man, for sure. Uh, somebody had asked the, uh, at what range do you set the apex, so the variance, when you're controlling the heater? There it is. Yeah, what temperature range do you, you set the apex to? One degree of flex or more? And you're less than a degree. Yeah, I can't help it, man. Like, you're like I like a set stability one at nut. 78.0 and one at 78.1. I just find anything with the corals, man, is like any change is a bad change. So they know, call this the history. I can't tell you this one is true or anything, yeah. so like don't like treat that like it's the reef and Bible or anything. Mm. But like in uh, and there's definitely currents in the ocean that you know change temperature and stuff. So it's not like they have perfect stability either in most cases. Yeah. But for me, like if you can do anything in the aquarium to make sure that the coral has to spend zero energy trying to adjust to mm. any changes, it's, called it's a good move, right? Yeah, it's stability, simple yeah. and stable. And so like I shoot for a tenth of a degree and uh, it will probably reduce the lifespan of uh, whatever heater solution you're using by powering it on and off a that lot often. More. Yeah. Yeah. And so know that uh, and mm. I, that's up to you. Uh, I'll say if like the the guys over at, at Worldwide, they don't even use heaters because they're such a you know. Well, their environment is controlled. Uh, the, the the ambient temp and it's a 900 gallon body of water that does not change temperature. Oh, fast. it's gonna take uh, yeah fast yeah uh, exactly. So like it, turning the lights on during the day and stuff like and isn't going to be the same as it would increase. be at your house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, if any, man, like a half a degree, yeah. uh, you know, one way or the other. So it's just not the same thing. Uh, but like they say that it can change up to two degrees throughout the day uh, with all the equipment you know turned on or off, right? Not enough to shock the core. Yeah, and for them, man, the two degrees is that is a better solution than it is to run heaters in the tank to begin with. A oh, yeah. power cost mm-hmm. uh, risk. There's this little risk, especially man in a work environment where. You know, the, there's a whole team of people there. So people you know, have their hands 365 days yeah. a year taking care of these things, yeah. knowing what temperature the room is. If anybody noticed it was getting hot in the building, 
like it would be fire alarm to get the air conditioner guys in there. Yeah. I mean, they probably got them on speed dial, <laughs> air conditioner guys. You probably back up redundant air conditioners in the building, you yeah. know. Uh, I know they have all kinds of power solutions and stuff in there. So, I mean, I'm sure they got, I mean, air conditioners break. So they, they have to have a backup. So some of that stuff doesn't really apply to a home environment. Yeah. Uh, like, you know. You don't have people there. I mean, you're sleeping half the time you're there or at work. Work, yeah. You know, so, like, there's a couple hours a day that you're actively would know these kind of things. And plus, we don't have the, unless you're lucky, uh, that large of a body of water where you, yeah, it's, you know, I mean, to change the temperature like that, easy. So, I, I tell you, if it, if it changed one degree with either way, which is like a two-degree swing throughout the day, uh, it's probably not going to harm the tank any. Uh, and your heater may last longer. Good. Uh, may. Uh, if the uh, 0.1 degree that I would do is probably the other extreme, heater's probably not going to last as long. And I don't know, I just feel better about <laughs> straight lines. Uh, I, I, I can't give you any good reason other than that. Yeah. Uh, Philip down here asks, uh, or no, it was Darwin. And he asked, what's your thoughts on an inline heater? Now, I've heard well, of them, but I haven't used one so, myself. Uh, I think Aquatic Life sells these like little reactors, yeah. right? And then you can put a heater in the top of it, and it pumps water like through the heater. Mm -hmm. And the first time I saw it, I'm like, oh, that's super cool. Yeah. And then I thought about it, like, what possible difference is that than just stick it in the sump? Uh, yeah. It's the same. I mean, just except for like another pump, huh? Pumping water th through it, it looks cool. Like and it's like sort I of reminds you of a UV I'm a gear junkie, so yeah. like I want to think like, oh man, that solves some problem, but I can't see a single problem <laughs> that that solves. Like, I mean, space, uh, you're just getting multiple smaller heaters. It's more space because it's got to be external. Yeah, I guess it doesn't have to be, but it's kind of designed that way. It's mm. like. I don't know, there's got to be factor. all reason somewhere out there in some weird design, but like I, I don't think I'd use the inline heater. I just yeah. can't think of a scenario where it is adding any major benefit mm -hmm. in terms of the cost and no more stuff to maintain, mm -hmm. especially if I had to put a pump to feed it. It probably would come off the overflow, but... Yeah, what if, what if the overflow speeds a bunch of bubbles into it and then I'm heating air in there instead of water? Like, yeah. I just, I just can't think of a reason I'd use it. Yeah. Cody asks a good question. If he has two heaters, should he place them next to each other? Hmm. Uh, well, in your scenario, when you're running two off of that one controller uh, that can hold up at 1,000 watts, then it doesn't really – I would say it really wouldn't matter. But like if you if you're using two heaters for redundancy and one is your primary and one is your secondary, I think you've you've pitched that uh, one. I think it was the ULM build. You were talking about setting one slightly lower than the other one, so it's a backup to the first one. And should you place those in the same area? Eh. Okay, so if you use two heaters and you put them in uh, like either and you're not controlling with a with a controller yeah the chances that you're going to get them to turn on and off at the same time is zero if like, you're trying to use both of them in yeah, equally like yeah. some, some tight points they might cross each other and they're on and off cycle but a lot of these things are pretty tight so they probably won't right and so like in reality you're probably just running off of one most of the time mm -hmm. uh and it may drop enough at some point to trigger the other one but uh, in terms of if I put them in different areas, you know, I, I definitely wouldn't think about that when I'm running like an apex when I can measure both areas. And right. I could probably think of some intelligent, you know, over-engineered reason as to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, but like in general, I, I guess I'd, I'd probably put them in the same area unless I didn't have room. 
if I was monitoring the two different areas, and I'd know when one of them failed, maybe, but that probably hmm. isn't true. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I'd have to really I think, think about that, and I bet you there is a reason. It just isn't I think mission a, critical, I, I bet. I think if I was running them separately, where one is uh, intentionally set lower than the other one to, as a backup, then I wouldn't have a problem putting them next to each other because primarily the one uh, that's set higher is just going to be controlling the thing, uh, the tank, and should it fail, then I'll know. And then, actually, that's the way that we set it up on the ULM, was they are in pretty close to each other or in the same chamber, and we put a power usage alert on the outlet that the second heater was plugged in so that we knew uh, when that one actually powered on, the other one was failing. I feel like I'm just so certain there is a reason to do this. But, like, if why would I put, a, if I got the skimmer chamber and that's what I'm heating, mm -hmm. right? Like, I got 250-watt heaters. What would be the value of 100, 150 here rather, rather than two 150s here, one here, and then one, like, say, in the turn pump area, which would be a terrible idea because it could get unsubmerged in there pretty easy. Uh, maybe in between the baffles, but like in the end I'm just heating this and then I'm heating that. What's the difference? No, if you're using them together. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I don't, I, 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 shooting from the hip here, I can't give you a reason why I do that. I put them both in the same chamber. <laughs> Good question. Cody. All right, man, we got, uh, we're two minutes over, so let's take oh. two more and we'll call it a day. Okay, cool. All right. What exactly is the calcified substance that builds up on heater, and is it potentially harmful? Mm. Yeah, poison, man. Uh, no, no. <laughs> it, it's just calcium carbonate. Precipitate. Yeah, so yeah. anything that's warm in the tank uh, will uh, precipitate, you know, more than other things. So uh, pumps, yeah. you know, return pumps, uh, heaters. It's you more, know. more prevalent for sure if you're dosing two-part and your two-part dosing gets out of whack. Yeah, or uh, if you're dosing, like, say you dose it into the skimmer area and your heater's in there yeah. and there's low flow through there, well, you're going to have really high... High concentration. Uh, especially if you're using, like, a bubble magus dosing pump that just kind of squirts a lot of it in at one point in mm -hmm. time instead of slow. Your, you know, alkalinity in that chamber is going to go from, you know, probably, like, your average of 8 or 9 mm -hmm. to uh, 14. Yeah. You know? Uh, all at once, and it's going to stay at 14, 13, 19 over the next 10 minutes. In that 10 minutes, you're going to start to get a lot of precipitation in there. So uh, that is what that is, man. And so... So, well, with that in mind, if it's happening specifically on your heaters, uh, then you might just want to change the heater or the place that you're dosing mm -hmm. or the heater location. Yeah, actually, or if it's ha happening like that, because it doesn't like happen to everybody. Yeah. So it just happens when things are likely to precipitate. So if you're seeing that all over your heaters... Dose They're, in a high flow area? Yeah, think about how you're dosing. Yeah. Dose it slower, dose it to uh, a different area. Uh, think about how to not create isolated pockets of, of right. high alkalinity or calcium. Mm. They're temporary, you know, but try to reduce it. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe you're running too high levels to begin with. Mm. And that may be just the way you want to do it because there's, you know, some growth benefits and stuff maybe with associated uh, the higher alkalinities and whatnot. You may be okay with I have to maintenance my uh, pumps and stuff more often or my heaters uh, but I, I would clean them you know I can't give you a good reason as to why a dirty heater functions uh, better than a you know clean one or, hmm. or vice versa rather but I'll go to the same thing well-maintained clean gear uh, Safe. is safer than yeah. none you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. you'll pick it out you'll notice that the you know the precipitate is broken a seal in there or something Could you know, work wed its way. wedged yeah. its way yeah. in 
All right, let's see. We got one more. Let's see. Good one. Oh, hey, manager guy. Having a stand full of controllers and electronics, has anyone had any issues with uh, humidity? All right. Oh, reef dudes. Uh, oh, we were talking, I was just talking about that relative humidity uh, type of monitor. I think, well, a lot of people's stands, like, uh, if the sump was in this stand, which is fully in encased and enclosed, I think the relative humidity would go up pretty significantly. And fast. Yeah, I mean. I mean, you got to think, though, dude, to like, I mean, to get but droplets of water to form, you're talking like a sauna. Right. Yeah. And like, so I've had humidity in 80% humidity in my basement uh, when I was running all those frag tanks and okay. stuff down there. Right. It's destroying the house. There's no question. It was the stupidest thing I ever did. I mean, it actually hurt the house, but if I maintained it a long time, it would, uh, whatever I thought I was doing with my aquariums, it was going to hurt the house more. So 80% mm. humidity in your home is a bad idea. Uh, but like, I wasn't seeing like water droplets form all over the place. But you know, I just I just bought a house, and I'm hoping to do a, like a, a build video, mm. you know, for everybody. And uh, one of the things I asked is the fish room I want to put in actually has the electrical panel in it. And I asked them, you know, is this going to be a problem? You know, it, it, am I going to get, you know, humidity building up inside there, and it's attached to the cement wall, mm. so it's a little colder in there and whatnot. And they said no, but you know what? Doesn't matter. The cold air return is in there, and you're gonna see me drill a hole in it to vent the air yeah. out. No, no question. You know it's undeniable though. In the winter time uh, that I've, you know, in the houses that I've been in the winter time, the excess condensation on the windows, mm. when it, tank environment, non-tank environment. So, so windows there is and humidity glass, for, sure. for sure. So what that's happening though is when the, there's a the vast change in temperature. In temperature. Yeah. Like one side of this glass is uh -huh. zero, and the other one is uh, 82 and super high humidity. Right, right, right. Uh, that's where that's happening. So uh, I mean, there is a scenario where you got a little tropical rainforest in your sump somehow, <laughs> man, uh, where it's probably a, a, an issue. I'll just say. You know, in general, electric. We're doing a lot of electricity, a lot a of lot cords, a lot of stuff, a lot of salt water. Yeah. So make it look nice, neat and tidy in there. Uh, if it, if you think it's too humid, vent it and buy a buy a five dollar fan, man, and uh, like probably ten dollar fan, whatever. But yeah, go to a computer store and just. You know, you don't even have to like have a humidity sensor. Just no, tell it don't. to turn the fan, the three watt fan on for, you know, <laughs> a few hours 10 a minutes, day. ten minutes an hour yeah, or something, yeah, yeah. right? Uh -huh. Or all day, who cares? Three. Yeah, it's three watts. Three watts. So like, yeah, yeah, if you think it's that big a problem, solve it. Yeah. Right. I and mean, if you're in there and you're like, man, oh, water. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good. You know, uh, <laughs> solve that problem, man. So, all cool. right. Uh, you know what we're going to do next week? I, mean, I haven't told you. No, I you told, haven't. I, I told Dave, and I don't know if we're going to be able to pull this off. So, uh -huh. I mean, cross your fingers for us. But I was thinking, man, we, uh, you know, next uh, next Monday, or Friday, rather, we're doing uh, the, like, uh, nutrition. Fridays? Yeah. Okay. So we're doing, like, coral nutrition, and I wrote 13 pages of stuff, man. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, poor Dave here. We got all-day rock meetings yeah, tomorrow. That gives you guys any idea of what how long of a video that is. Your, what, you said 40? 40, 40, about 40 minutes. That's 40 minutes, man, on feeding your corals. And I got to tell you, it's good stuff. Like, I wrote this one, and I'm like, man... This is where it all come together for me. Right? Like I, <laughs> cool. I just, I'm super happy about it. Like I think people are gonna like 
had the light bulb thing kind of go off uh-huh. like ah, oh, i get it now you know and all that's like misdirection and stuff that you know, get out there and it's hard to know what to believe this is uh this was i think it really puts it together you know we we get our experiences we get uh, uh wwc's experiences and more importantly uh i mean this is like really super geeky to read but dana riddle man has uh, coral nutrition out there there's yeah. part one through six man like i got through like scientific i journal. read the whole thing yeah. through like four of them and then like even got too geeky for me <laughs> uh but like you read the summaries and stuff on it and uh like man this guy's done so much research and so it's just like sometimes this stuff just gets lost like i mean we knew this stuff years ago and just nobody shared it proper, mm. you know? And mm. so like we take all these different experiences together and, and give something proper about how, you know, how to treat uh, nutrition in your corals. Yeah. And one of the things that, uh, you know, WWC does is makes their own food. Yeah. So what do you think we're going to do? Well, uh, we're going to make some food next I'm really, week. I think we're going to live, live, man. DIY, live make food. Live DIY food. Yeah. So all that we had a live stream when we talked about how ways we do it. Now we're going to show you. Yeah. I mean, there's oh, going to be sweet. like, uh, like scallops and shit. Excuse me. Scallops and stuff been shooting all over the place. I promise man. I won't eat the oysters this time. Made me a little oh, sick. Oh, that was gross. Uh, uh, well. I don't know. He, he, I dared him to eat an oyster. I will uh, do it. And he did. That was terrible. Uh, uh, not, awesome. It wasn't an oyster. It was like a canned clam it, or it something. Wasn't it wasn't good. Gross. It wasn't good. Uh, but yeah, we're going to uh, like uh, blend it all up, put it in the processor. We may even use a Steam cheese grater. We'll show it to you, like what the different particles do. Oh, yeah, cool. uh, and I'm, I'm saying that we're going to do all this. I'm like, I'm not 100% this sure. This means a lot of prep work for me. I know. <laughs> we got to go to the Asian store again. Man. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, like, yeah. So, one of the things I love to do is go buy the Asian mixes and stuff from the Asian store. Uh, they have some of the best places to get seafood at the, all in one. Mm-hmm. And Costco. Oh, yeah. Costco has little bags of the stuff, too. And, like, you know, scallops and things and shrimp are kind of expensive a lot of places. Yeah. Not a Costco. Buy them in bulk. Yeah, they're cheap there, man. So, cool. Yeah, so I don't know. I can't give you 100% we're going to do this. We'll try. I was just talking to Dave about it. I feel like I wanted to share. Maybe you guys can, like, say, hey, man, do that for sure. Start and commenting. And then you'll just, like, uh, force us, you know, force our hand. Hit us on TV. you know, Facebook group. Say you want this done. We'll, we'll probably make it happen. We'll find a way. Or we'll just be super lame. And or do we'll just sit here and talk about know, food. We'll just talk about fish eggs or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. All right. See you next cool. week. All right, or guys. actually Friday, I guess. Or end next week uh, live. See you. All right. See ya.